Welcome to episode 93 of the Development Hell podcast. Uh, we've been off for a little bit. It is summertime. I was in the process of moving. Ed was doing whatever Ed does during the summertime. I had to sign an NDA. I can't talk about it. But um, but we're back and with a super secret recording and also so that we can get some of that sweet, sweet Patreon money so we can pay for hosting and editing tools and things like that. So, Ed, how are you doing today? Pretty good, man. I can't wait to get that $60 of Patreon oh, money. And after tax, you know, after, you know, every little bit helps. So, uh, every little bit helps. So uh, let's launch right into the sponsors. What? Sponsors? I know one of those. Grumpy Learning. Thanks to your... Gen- Wait, I, I'm just reading off the webpage. Sorry. <laughs> grumpy Learning uh, is a place where you go grumpylearning.com and you learn to test like a grumpy programmer. And there's a new book called Building Test Driven Developers that's got like one sort of purplish elephant um, that looks larger than the other ones and is teaching a bunch of younger, it seems, elephants. Uh, to code, and then there's uh, a cute little black cat uh, on the uh, keyboard of one of the elephants, uh, fucking up that guy's code. I think. Yeah, I don't think he's getting. Um, I don't think he's getting much work done with my cat Lily in the way like that. Yeah, you know, just sitting there fucking shit up. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, it's a good book. Nine bucks. What's and it covers stuff like what's a testing culture. Handling things when there are no tests, why testing should just be part of the job, dealing with tests nobody runs, the Chicago versus London really matter. I have seen London and France, but I have not seen Chicago's underpants. Well, it's important and, to have important to have goals on your bucket list, Ed. And then Chris knows a lot about this, dealing with difficult people. And I I I don't know why. You can probably figure out why. So, hey, remember that movie Inner Space? Yes. It's on Netflix now. Oh, is it? Well, it's on Netflix here in the U.S. I don't know what's on in Canada. I have no idea. Anyway, that was a good movie. Martin Short, you got to love it. Dennis Quaid is in that as well? And the Quaid, the Quaid, yep. And who's the, who's, who's the female love interest in that one? Is it Meg Ryan? That seems about right. Was this, was this how they met and then got married? Or were they married before that when they went and did it already? They did the movie? Because I know they were married for a Meg, while. Uh, you mean Quaid and Meg Ryan? Yeah. I what? didn't even know they were married. I thought they used to be married. No. Yeah, weird. Huh. The internet knows all. And then like one of them cheated on the other, and that was the end of that. Love always dies. It does. Anyway, back to Grumpy Learning. Uh, yeah, that new book, it's only nine bucks. And you can also get the book Minimum Viable Test. That's 19 bucks. And you can get the Grumpy Programmer's PHP Unit Cookbook, which is really good for like, how do I do this with PHP Unit? That's 19 bucks too. There's lots of good stuff here. And it's awesome. So go check out grumpylearning.com to learn all about that kind of stuff. And to segue over to our other sponsor, Grumpy Learning sold some uh, collections of woolly mammoth elephants, elephant pants. Elephant pants. Elephant pants. That's what I'm going to call them for the elephant pants. 
<laughs> yeah, was able to raise over a thousand dollars for open sourcing mental illness. That's right. Other sponsor, which is really awesome. And, and that's American. That's American currency too. That's not uh, Canadian snow pesos. Yes. This isn't some horseshit. This is real American dollars. And if you didn't know, Open Sourcing Mental Illness is a nonprofit 501c3 corporation dedicated to raising awareness, educating, and providing resources to support mental wellness in the tech and open source communities. And me, Ed Finkler, is the person who founded it. And I go and speak at companies and court and conferences, and we do research and write documentation and all sorts of stuff like that. So we do those kinds of things. Hey, did I get my money yet from you? I have not sent it. I was waiting until I moved because I wasn't sure if I was going to cut you a check or if I could do it via PayPal. We need to talk about that after the uh, podcast is over. Because, I mean, I don't get a tax write-off for it because no, Canadian corporations giving money to U.S., uh, nonprofits, there's no tax benefit. So I just have to figure out a way that makes sense. I'll probably end up PayPaling the money to you. Figure it out. Yeah, we can, you, there's a there's an Osme account you can send it to. Yes. All right. So, hey, we've done business and we've talked about our two sponsors today. So that's pretty cool. And also and, we need to uh, let people know that we yeah. do have a Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash devhell. If you enjoy the podcast, you can support us for as little as $1. Um, if you support us for fifteen dollars a month, you get to get to have uh, Ed read some funny message. And I know Ben Ramsey has in the past put some good thought into stuff he wanted you to read. He, he had you read a bunch of Warren uh, Ipsum and had you read uh, um, mm -hmm. from Ozymandias. Um, so you know, yep, yep. We, we didn't let them know this time because it's just like spur of the moment we decided to record. But, uh, but next time we'll give them a little bit of heads up. And you know, you know, we joke about this, but all the money that we that we get in through the Patreon, uh, we put back into it to pay for hosting and other stuff like that. Uh, we oh. would have we would have to have way way more sponsors, and way way more people as patrons for it to be the be a, a huge money making thing. We do it because we enjoy talking to each other. And we enjoy bringing interesting and exciting content to you, listener. Otherwise, why would we have done this 92 times before? Um, vanity? Uh, I'm sure there's a little bit of that in there. Yes, there is. A, there's plenty of that, at least on my end. So, hey, let's see what's on Netflix right now. Aussie Gold Hunters. Watch season one now. I know that uh, we can talk about TV shows another time, but I was watching, started watching um, American Gods, because um, for the for many many years, being an Amazon Prime member in Canada was essentially useless. You were just basically pre yes. prepaying for reduced shipping, so you're paying your shipping mm -hmm. costs up front. But now they finally have expanded it into movies and other stuff. So Amazon Prime Video is a thing in Canada. So I was able to watch a bunch of episodes of American Gods and I'm going to I'm happy to have a chance to sit down and watch those again and talk about segues now that my big move is done. So I wanted to talk a bit about that. So um so people who've been following me online know I've been talking about this for a little bit. And uh so finally uh, about a week ago um we packed everything up and some very nice men came and took all our furniture um and a bunch of our possessions all boxed up, threw them in a truck, um, and drove two hours out into the um, southern, southwestern Ontario countryside to a little town of Lucan, Ontario, which is about 25 minutes north of the city of London. And the city of London is actually quite big. It's like 380,000 people, so quite big. But Lucan is tiny, like talking like 22, 2300 people tiny. So... 
part of our motivation was we wanted something different. We wanted a bigger house, a bigger lot, um, and also some ridiculous financial flexibility by not having a mortgage. So we were able to accomplish all those things. And so I am set up at the new house in a new office where the walls are green instead of my favorite color, which is blue. I mean, but it's just paint. I can get that fixed. Um, yep. But uh, I just wanted to talk a bit about, you know, relocating someplace because this was a major thing for me and the family. It was 13 years. We had been the old fortress in the, the town of Milton, Ontario, which was, we got there. It was like about 40,000 people 13 years ago. And then they just started building houses like crazy. And by the time we left, it was like 110,000 people. So it almost tripled in size in 13 years and housing prices, <coughs> excuse me. And housing prices almost tripled as well, which is part of the reason why sell and come here and buy a house outright and not have to worry about ever making a mortgage payment again. So, I mean, the motivator, I mean, a lot of it was just like wanted some more space, but, but for me, um, I just, I just wanted, um, something different. So like a change, I wanted things a little bit slower. Milton was starting to feel like, like just yet another suburb. So it was like the same, um, same fast food restaurants, these same big box retailers in the Toronto area. There's only been a handful of home builders. So all the houses kind of look the same streets, mm-hmm. streets and are kind of laid out the same. So wherever I went in the Toronto area, if I wasn't going into like older parts of Toronto or way out into them, uh, into the East end of Toronto, everything felt the same. So, um, it, I wanted something different and boy, am I ever getting something different out here? It's very, a totally different experience. You know, Ed was asking me about this before stuff like, you know, in this town, I mean, small town, it's so small. It has uh, one postal code or for you Americans, only one zip code. It's that small. Um, most places that aren't food related close at five. Um, very few things are open on Sunday. Um, there's a hand, only a handful of restaurants in town. None of them deliver. So, but luckily, you know, 20 to 25 minutes south is London, the North End, where there's a humongous shopping mall and there's restaurants and all sorts of stuff. And then a little bit, maybe 15 minutes north of us is a place called Exeter. Same thing. It's about double the size of Lucan, which is to say like 4,200, 4,300 people. But there's a big grocery store and some other restaurants and stuff there. But it's... It's amazing what you get used to and what you take for granted in terms of like services and businesses around you. So now we, mm-hmm. now because to leave town requires effort and, you know, and, and more importantly, something that we never had to worry about too much for when I was in Milton time investment. So now that when we go do stuff, we kind of have like batch things up we're like, well, if we're going to drive into London go see go do activity x well we should probably go try and do activity y and z and go check out this other thing because you know just going there and back and doing like one task is like an hour of our time now right 20 minutes there 15 Mm -hmm. 20 minutes doing whatever the task is and then you know 20 25 minute drive back through the countryside to get back up where we are so it's been very very different now ed i know we've talked a bit in the past about where you grew up compared to where you live now. So, yep. um, so I can't remember mainly because I don't want to share stuff just in case you, you know, you don't want people to know. Cause you know, some people are squirrely about their yeah, past, but I, I got the impression you lived in a pretty small place before, um, you ended up, 
um, near Purdue, right, where you went to university and you worked there for a number of years. Is that accurate? Yeah, and my parents still live there, a small town in southwestern Michigan. Uh, so, uh, but it's kind of a tourist town, so you get you know a fair pe- number of people coming through. But uh, yeah, it's uh, a real small town, like ten thousand people, and so that's that's kind of where I grew up. Um, but then subsequent to that, the town, the the cities I've lived in have been like you know between one hundred fifty thousand and two hundred fifty thousand, so not huge by any stretch, but quite a bit larger, uh, order of magnitude larger. Um, so it's definitely different and, uh, yeah, there's something, I mean, things are just different in, in, in small towns and, 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 uh, I think it varies a little bit. Um, you know, uh, it depends on sort of how much distance there is and how much ruralness there is between things. Um, but, uh, it's not super densely populated where, where I'm from originally. So yeah, that definitely makes a difference. Because it, it it feels interesting to me being here. Like I'm, I mean, we're in a subdivision in the town, basically. So there are other houses right next door to us. We've met some of the neighbors. Then when we were here, not long after we moved, we got invited to go um, for like um, someone had like a, a humongous fire pit at their house. So like fire pit in the middle, and then room for like it looked like maybe twenty to twenty five people could sit with chairs like around on the out know in a circle around the fire pit and i'm just right. com- coming from where i from where i lived before i'm struck by just like how much more room there is out here i thought we had a pretty big backyard because in our place we have a, a fairly large um in-ground swimming pool and a and a, a little cabana slash pool house with a mm-hmm. with a you know a four per uh, it looks like maybe five to six person size hot tub in there as well. I thought we had a lot of space, and then I see some of the neighbors probably was like, "Oh my god, we could fit our backyard and everything in their backyard and still have a have a bunch of room." So it's so we got to meet people, and you know they they've been very friendly. It was good. Uh, the realtor who helped us buy this house uh, has been accessible to us. I've asked them like, "Who should I talk to about this thing, and who should I talk to about that thing, and who should where should I go to get?" item X and where should I go to M Y and it's been very open. So it's, it's been very, very different. I mean, I wanted a place where maybe it was going to be okay to become friends with the neighbors as opposed to, you know, kind of my experiences where, where we lived before with the drug dealer across the street and, and the rooming and the boarding house next door and, and always constant noise and just the, just the feeling of like, cookie cutter houses and everybody's hemmed in. And when you sat in your backyard, you could see everybody else's houses. And it felt like you had very little privacy and, and very little space. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, so now you're the poor people is my understanding uh, from what you just said. <laughs> I would not characterize it that way at all. Maybe, maybe just smaller backyard, but all the houses around here are about the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. For those who for those who don't know, Ed and I are doing it on video, so I, I recognize Ed's disapproving looks when I see them. He's like, it's like a little smirk on his face. He goes, mm-hmm. 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 Whatever, now what, whatever uh, you say, what peasant of- grumpy. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, is anybody doing like some sort of like satanic uh, rituals or anything like that in this little town that you've moved to? Uh, I assume well, it's like an X Files episode. It, I, not that I'm aware of. I, for people who want to know a little bit about history, they should go read up, and I'll provide a link to the notes on 
very famous event involving a group called the Black Donnellys happened here in this town. And I'll just post a link to the. It's when we when we were moving and then telling people where we we're going, we usually got one of two reactions. It was either like I have no idea where that is, or people blurted out, "Oh, that's where the Black Donnellys are from." I'm like, yes. So I knew nothing Black about Donnellys. Yeah, I knew nothing about the Black Donnellys, but but I found out by you know. Internet uh, can reveal. Well, well are you going to tell us? Are, what everybody wants to know? Oh, really? Oh, so you? Oh, okay. Well, I just thought maybe keep people in suspense. I've never there. heard of this. So, like Donnelly's. That sounds okay. like a. That sounds like a movie about like. Um, oh, there has been a movie like, about this too. So it's like, it's, anyway, um, we'll provide links to it. But I'll explain. So what happened? There was a family here in this town called the Donnellys, yeah. and let's just say they weren't well liked by everybody. Else. So at some point. The uh, rest of the townspeople decided they had had enough of the Donnelly's shit, and they went out to their farm and burned the farm down and killed the husband and farmhand and a bunch of other people and, like, burned everything to the ground, like, shot some of them, beat others to death with a shovel. And it was one of these things where, like, everybody knew who did it, but nobody ever got, mm-hmm. ar- but nobody ever got arrested. That seems excessive. It was. Um, so that's kind of a, you know, a little, a little, uh, Cole's notes, uh, or I don't, Gosh, know, I don't was, know, I don't know what the U S equivalent is, but a little, a too long, didn't read summary of the black Donnelly's. I was really hoping for something more like the boondock saints. Um, this is a lot darker. <laughs> well, yeah, it's pretty goddamn dark, isn't it? This is what can happen in Canada. You had to beat people to death. You couldn't shoot them, but you know, you did. Yeah, I don't know. Because you don't have guns, right? No, you got lots of guns. Oh, there's no, believe me, there's lots and lots of guns in Canada. There's lots and lots of guns. It's just the laws about owning handguns are are what the big difference is. You, it's really, it's really, it's really hard for for an individual to own a handgun. It's fairly easy for an individual to own like a shotgun or a hunting rifle or something like that. But uh, like AK-47s or or. Uh, what's the what's the assault rifle in the U.S. that everyone constantly wants banned, and then people say it should be the AR, whatever it is. AR-15. That's the one, AR-15. Yeah, private individuals can't own any of those up here, but there are lots and lots of shotguns and rifles and stuff, but just very, very few handguns. So, but uh, yeah, the Black Donnellys. Provide the link. Go read it up. Do some research. Uh, it was very, very Black interesting. Donnellys. Very interesting to read about this. Because especially the, the the kind of weird part of it is like several of the descendants of the people who like you know perpetrated all the violence still live around here, so it's a little awkward uh, when people in the town oh, yeah. people want to talk about this thing. Yeah, it's like if, if it was your relatives that did this, you may you might feel a little bit awkward about it. Well, they were massacred, yeah, basically. But there was a movie, The Black Donnellys, but as far as I can tell, has nothing to do with. Uh, the actual events uh, because it's based in New York City and seems to be about like uh, organized crime, which well, I'm... Yeah, no, I don't think it's the same thing. But like I said, I'll add stuff to the show notes, a bunch of links to the Wikipedia article. There's a movie about it. There's a there's a Black Dolly Museum here in town that we're going to go check out at some point. This sounds awesome. <laughs> well, you know, you know, if you do make it up here, I should take you there and you can buy yourself a T-shirt. Ooh, a t-shirt? Yeah. That sounds fun. 
Well, for there, like, I, the, like I, kill, wiki- I killed someone with a shovel and all I got was this lousy T-shirt or something like that. Yeah, right. Oh, God. <laughs> um, in, in, the, uh, in the Wikipedia article contents, there's the, a top-level entry, Massacre. <laughs> and then there's First Massacre and The Second Massacre. Or where they came back to try to finish the job, basically. This is, uh, this is a rough town that you've moved to. Got to tell you. Real rough, real rough. Boy, better watch your step around there, buddy. You don't take kindly to I was, Irish I was, immigrants. I know. I was just joking. I was going to like uh, introduce myself as Chris Donnelly, and I'm, and I'm back to settle things. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, look out. Black Donnelly. Back. Oh, man. Yeah. But, but, but at least I have high-speed internet here, which means I can actually get my job done, which is uh, which Yeah, is what, what's your up and down there? Uh, it is 50 down and 5 up. Oh, that's fine. Um, and so one of the things around here is the internet service is done through a, a co-op called Quadro. And so you join up and you Quadro. get to be part of the co-op. You get like one share, and they pay out like a dividend Every year to co-op members, it's something like three percent of your of your um, mm. fee or something. But you know, I was talking to when the guy came to install the modem because the people who lived here before had um, internet and phone and TV through them, and we're just doing internet. We're going to stream stuff TV wise. So he was saying, you know, where where we are is closest to where they're building a bunch of new houses, and those houses are all going to have fiber. So. It's right. like you're a pretty good candidate around here sometime in the next couple of years that they're going to upgrade all the equipment. And we can probably end up getting uh, over coax because that's what his coax cable probably like 250 down, which would be pretty good. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I think like yeah. like 25 up and or or was it it's either it's like either 25 up or 50 up and, and 250 down. Maybe. So we'll see. It's again, yeah, we, sure. it's, again, it's a small town. I understand it's like all about. Demand if they have enough people here who they think are going to pay for that stuff, then then they'll install it. Otherwise, you know, I just do what I did at the old house. Just you know, yell at my wife and kids to not watch any Netflix while I'm doing the podcast. Signal <laughs> that that way upstream is okay and it doesn't get all weird. Well, let me tell you, it's easy to get weird around there. Yes, I gotta get me a Black Donnelly T-shirt in my size. Is always what the issue is. Black Donnelly. That's right. That's all he just, yeah. Yeah. All right. That sounds fascinating. I don't know, I'm going to have to learn more about the Black Donnellys. Yes. yes it is fascinating. Man, that sounds good. I'll, I'll, go, I'll, so, buy, I'll buy you a book from the museum and send it to you. Now, uh, you're going to talk more about it, but it, are we going to uh, do like some kind of special um, like uh, reenactment at Grumpy Con? <laughs> no, I, I don't think we're going to do the reenactment. Oh, Unle- oh, unless someone bad. unless someone with the last name Donnelly happens to show up for the event. Oh, hey. Uh, so, so speaking of... Oh, uh, pulling my collar. Hey. <laughs> so speaking of, of Grumpy Conf, so I was talking to Ed about this before. For people who don't know, I'm planning on running a conference on the weekend of uh, March 22nd, 23rd, and 24th of next year to coincide with my birthday. So invite a whole bunch of people to come up. Um, got a venue. Um, they've sent me some pricing info. Just got to go over some stuff with them. The idea is going to be um, three days. So a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And um, so we're going to include accommodations at this location in the price of your ticket. So you'll be able to get um, one ticket will get you um, uh, 
a room based on double occupancy. So we're gonna have to try to, have to, try to figure out a way to like say, okay, we're gonna buy two tickets and then they're gonna share a room at the venue. And there's also a price based on um, single occupancy. Um, I have a whole bunch of speakers already confirmed. Ed is one of them. He's gonna come and give a, give his talk on why uh, we sh- why we really, 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 really need to care about mental health issues in tech. And so uh, I have five other very uh, interesting speakers lined up. So the idea is that in the morning sessions between the start and lunch, we'll have um, we'll have two talks um, in one room back to back. Then we'll have lunch. Um, uh, snacks will be provided. Lunch will be provided. Snacks in the morning, afternoon, lunch. Uh, you'll be on your own for dinner, but the food at this place is actually quite good. Um, and then in the afternoons, we're going to break down to do like an unconference style, open spaces thing where oh. people people will suggest nice. talks and break down into smaller rooms where people can just go off to their room or explore what this uh, what this inn and spa has to offer. So I'm um, finally now I got the venue, just some back and forth, uh, get some details, and then I have to figure out pricing and how to link rooms together and talk to them about how they want to do it. But it is a go. Um, it's not the original venue that I wanted. That other venue just seems to have not bothered returning any of my emails. So um, if they're going to do that, I guess they just don't want my business. And, and I'm I'm okay with that because I found another place. Um, yeah. So Fuck them. So, you know, 40 to 50 people is what I'm aiming for. Um, hope, uh, I don't want to mention any prices yet because um, I just got to find out a few things. I have a number in mind, but keep in mind that price will include a room. So um, given that... How... Mu- how- Go ahead. How much are you? How many people are you expecting to come back from this? Come back? You mean like if I'm going to like do it again in 2019? No, I mean who survive? <laughs> Dude, we're not reenacting the Donnellys at this inn. The inn's fine. Oh, this place, I, okay. is, this place is far too nice. Forty-five to fifty come. Yeah, and but, forty to fifty enter and only one returns. No, it's not that. Uh, yeah. Not that type it's of a battle style. royale. Yeah. All right. Um, well, my bad. Again, misunderstanding. Excuse me, friends. Yes. It's a late night for me. It's after 9 p.m. <laughs> I used to think I was an old man and then like Ed would fall asleep while I was talking to him. So it's pretty good. So that's that's the goal. Um, you know, now that the venue has been confirmed, I'm going to just send out an email to all the people who've agreed to speak and just make sure they're still committed and we can um, you know, play with the numbers and stuff like that. Um, and then hopefully sometime towards the end of September, I will have a page up so people can start planning things. And looking forward to having a bunch of my friends come and uh, have uh, Black Forest cake and help me celebrate my birthday on the 24th of March. And I hope some of our listeners um, can venture up here. The location is actually pretty convenient for people who are like in Ohio and Michigan if they want to drive up. It's not too far. Um, mm-hmm. If they're in western New York... It's probably like about three hours. So, you know, definitely drivable if they want to do it. And I know that some people will probably not want the room. We'll have some pricing for tickets that don't include um, the room, you know, just just for what people want to do. They maybe want to drive back and forth, especially if they're in southwestern Ontario, if they're like in Guelph and Kitchener, Cambridge and stuff like that. They may not want to stay overnight um, at the inn. So figure it out. So other thing that I'm doing is that on Sunday, I'm uh, driving <laughs> two hours from where I am to the Toronto airport and uh, getting on a plane and flying to Amsterdam and being picked up by a uh, longtime speaker and friend, uh, Stefan Koopmanschaft, and being taken to a private island in the Netherlands for a WeCamp 
2017, which is a code retreat um, style conference. So, Ed, have you ever like, have you ever done that sort of? I mean, I don't know. Have you ever done like the open spaces stuff or a, or a code retreat style event? Have you ever been to one? You know, I haven't. So, I'd be interested to hear more about what it's like. Well, I mean, I, I can. I, I think on a previous episode, I talked a bit about when I went to the Winter Tech Forum in Colorado which was the open spaces concept where people just showed up and there were a bunch of rooms and people, very little structure and people just talked about what they wanted to talk about. So that's more kind of like, if you go to, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of PHP conferences offer like the unconf track where people just sign up to talk about whatever they want to talk about. The open spaces comp idea is more like, more around like a discussion rather than just like one person like doing an impromptu presentation. Um, mm-hmm. But the code retreat is a very different thing. I've never been to one, and the and the way that I understand that the the week camp one works is that a bunch of people are going to come for the week, and yep. they're being divided into small teams with the idea that they're going to produce something, uh, an right. app, an app from start to finish, and then they have people like me come in to be coaches. So we'll be assigned to a team, and I'll be working with them and guiding them and suggesting things to and you know get their software development structure set up and let's talk about the app and plan things. And hopefully I can convince them to write tests for everything as we go along. And just the idea of that people get a chance to kind of go into an environment, unlike a conference where, you know, you're there listening to lectures. This is more like we, you want to purposely isolate people and get them in an environment where they can like really focus on accomplishing a task and not have all the other stuff that goes with what I would call like um, a traditional programming conference. Right. So, um, hmm. you know, I, they've been running WeCamp for a while. And what I did know is that they have a policy of where once a person acts as a coach, um, they never get to be a coach again. So they don't, inv- they don't keep inviting the same people back to like, basically you're being like a mentor for a larger group of people. So I don't, well, I don't like that because the whole reason I do this is that I can, I can get comped over and over at the same time. <laughs> Well, I know they said to me, uh, you know, when they asked me to ask me to participate, they're like, well, we can't pay you to come. And I was like, oh, OK, they're like, but we can pay for your flight and give you all the food and drink you can handle. I'm like, well, OK, that that sounds good to me. So, you know, they paid for all challenge accepted, challenge accepted. And so one of the interesting things that I am trying out is I've decided um, I decided to, uh, to buy um, a Chromebook. Uh, I bought a Samsung Chromebook oh, yes. um, to be my development machine. And so I, a while ago, before I went on my Twitter vacation, for those who also don't know, I decided I wanted to see if I could get by without paying attention to Twitter so much. So the day before, the, the day that we took possession of the house, I kind of changed my status on Twitter and added something to the background. And I'm really not paying much attention to Twitter uh, once every couple of days, I'm looking at um, direct messages and uh, mentions to see if somebody asked me a question. Um, and one of the before, so on Twitter before, I found someone did this blog post about how this, there's a gentleman who's a, like a security researcher who, just, who does a bunch of crypto uh, cryptography, cryptography work. And so he talked about because this keeps coming up over and over again, not in Canada but in the U.S. where the TSA, the Transportation Safety Agency, is that what they're actually called, Ed? Is that their actual? Uh, yes, that is the official name given them. Yes. Okay, so the TSA. Transportation Safety Agency. Yeah. Right. So they keep threatening uh, to change the rules 
to make it mandatory for people to check um, computers, laptops, that you won't be able to bring them anything bigger than a phone or maybe like a iPad mini. They won't let people bring on planes. And there's also this. What all- I don't understand is that I think I thought they didn't let you check stuff with lithium batteries. Yeah, that's the problem. Like the people who are saying we don't want these things inside the plane clearly aren't aware that lithium batteries, if they catch fire in the cargo hold, basically can't put the fire out. So um, it's like the, yeah, le- the, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So that's one. Another issue is that okay. it, in the wake of the change in government in the U.S., um, it appears that the border is getting a bit of a meaner and more unfriendly place for non-Americans and even for a lot of Americans. So there's a real chance when you cr- attempt to enter the United States, uh, you may find your phone confiscated. You may find your laptop confiscated. So I thought about this. And also there's always, you know, always a low level amount of, of worry about, well, you know, I'm traveling with, uh, you know, an expensive uh, Apple computer that's like, you know, three grand of my money to replace if something happens to it. So maybe it's time to start thinking about alternatives. So this gentleman named Ken White um, did this blog post about how he spent a couple of weeks trying to figure out if he could take one of these Chromebooks and he picked one that was uh, um, four gigs of RAM, 16 gigs of uh, flash um, drive on it. Yeah. Plus, I guess whatever the OS, Chrome OS on it um, is is written on, is, is stored on. I don't know that much about the internals. But he's like, can I find a way to make this thing a, va- a viable development environment for the work that he does? So right. he does so he does work with Node and, and with Go and, and some other things. And yeah, he figured it out. And one of the interesting things that he did was have it so that you didn't have to I know like you can sort of root one of these things and like, you know, install Ubuntu and, and you know, other flavors of Linux on it. And there's a, there's the, the CRO, the Crosh, the Chrome shell. And so he figured out a way to do it without giving up, without having to root your machine. Cause he's like, when you root the machine, you're, you're giving up a whole bunch of um, security related um, things mm-hmm. that Chrome, that, you know, Google baked into Chrome and that most of the manufacturers support. So uh, we're gonna add, I'm gonna add a link to it in the in the show notes, the blog post where he explains step by step what he did. So um, so basically, what I have set up now is a, a, a Google Chromebook, and you know it has like nine to eleven hours of battery life on it, which is awesome. And it's set up to be a little PHP development environment with currently with Postgres as the database installed. So I'm running like PHP seven point one something. Um, and I'm just going to see, like, I'm going to take it for the week and use it and, uh, you know, uh, see how viable it is for PHP. Vim is on there. So, you know, I get the tools that, that I'm kind of familiar with. Um, Vim? Yeah. So um, Even Vim? Wow. Even Vim is on there. Yes. So I'm looking forward to, like, experimenting with that and, and just seeing, you know, uh, you know, if this works, you know, I can use it when I travel other places. I, I discovered, like... The, the big barrier for me switching to something like this for the day job at Mozilla is that I need to run Docker um, quite a bit for the test that I do. And it seems like I have to experiment with it, but getting Docker running on this thing does not look to be the easiest thing um, in the world to make happen. So, um, But other things like the video chat client that we use at work, um, I can install it. There's a native app. Um, for IRC cloud, which I use for IRC. So it looks like, you know, hmm. like maybe right now without digging in more, I'm like at 85% of where I need to be to, to use it for work. 
So, but just the idea of like when you travel, things are changing. You know, U.S. is starting to push back a little bit. You know, weird things happen at the border. I mean, most Americans um, they never go through it because they don't they don't cross the border into other countries frequently. And you know, U.S. has some very interesting laws uh, that apply at the border. And um, I mean, I am in the Nexus program, so I am kind of pre-screened and deems not a not a risk to do anything stupid, but the idea, like, they could just, like, confiscate my laptop, um, you know, just take it away from me, and I basically don't have any recourse because I'm not an American citizen. American citizens returning to the U.S., rules are a little bit different, but as a foreigner, it's like, yeah, man, they could just take my stuff, and I really don't have, I, you know, I can fight and argue and, you know, um, potentially get denied entry, or I could just go with the flow. It's like, all right, dude, you have my... Uh, you have my Chromebook. Good luck getting into it. Uh, you need this key, and I don't have to give you this key. So uh, the blog post goes into like how to set it up with a YubiKey for authentication and two-factor auth, and um, you know um, we'll link to it. It's a very interesting read. So like I said, I have it all set up, and I'm looking forward to giving it a real spin um, when I'm at WeCamp. Now you were talking about foreigners, but do you know how the banned foreigner is treated at the border? Uh, a foreigner who's been banned, they're just literally denied access or I guess depending on where they enter the country, if they're at an airport, I imagine they get escorted uh, out. Do they have to buy their own flight back? I don't even know how that would work. No, no, no. You misunderstand. No, I sir. guess I did. I guess you're trying to be. I f- mean, the the uh, musical act foreigner. Oh, well, they're American anyway, aren't they? No, I think they're British. Really? Lou Rawls? No. Lou Rawls is the singer for Foreign. Lou Rawls? No, not Lou Rawls. Lou Lou Graham. Sorry. They got the first name right. Rawls. Lou Rawls did not sing for Foreign. That would be a very different band. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very different band. <laughs> yeah, something that's funny to us. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, once, yeah. you know, once I once we add show notes, I got to add some stuff in here. I'm just yeah, gonna, definitely put in something about Lou. I, I have to mute because my mechanical keyboard is going to go clicky clacky while I do this. So I know talk about something for a minute. I remember uh, watching. I think it was the Oscars. This was uh, when uh, the Berlin's um, "Take My Breath Away" was nominated for best song um, at the Oscars, like best song from a motion picture. And Lou Rawls and somebody like uh, Marie Osmond or somebody like that sang that song. Berlin did not perform it. They had Lou Rawls and somebody and a woman uh, sing a duet of Take My Breath Away, originally by Berlin, the band Berlin. I remember watching Top Gun and being very uncomfortable because I was watching it with my dad in the theater and these the uh when tom cruise and the uh his lady friend do it they like you can see their tongues when they're kissing and it freaked me out and uh it freaked me out cuz i was by my dad i was going to say i bet it still freaks you out yeah it does it still freaks me out every time i see that I'm what's like, that what's the, what's that actress's name uh kelly no what am i thinking i'm probably getting her name uh, i don't know not LeBrock. No. Um, ah, let's put in those top gun. 
Um, Kelly LeBrock. Wasn't Kelly LeBrock, didn't she? She's been married to Steven Seagal, yes. Steven Seagal, that's, yes. She was in Weird Science. She was in Weird Science. And The Lady in Red with Dudley Moore, was in it, I guess. Oh, Dudley Moore. I think Dudley Moore was in The Lady in Red. During that time Let's frame where yes. there was lots of these movies about middle-aged men getting it on with super hot women who are like in their 20s, which of course we know only exists yeah. these days in porn and doesn't actually exist in real life. I wonder who approved these scripts to be made <laughs> into movies. Yeah, that's right. Middle-aged men with lots of money and loose morals. Yeah. That's, that's, who, that's who approved yeah. those scripts. Like the ones who live in your neighborhood. I, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I think you're really mischaracterizing where I live. You'll uh, when you come up for a visit, I will take you for the tour, and you will see it's it will, per, it will perhaps not meet your expectations. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but at least there's a um, Tim, at least there's a Tim Hortons a ten minute walk from my house. So that's thank how God. I know. I, I was joking to the people that live around here. When I saw there was a Tim Hortons here, I knew at least I won't. Die. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And so we got the old oh, big, old oh, big fancy city folk went to London to buy something, huh? So they're they're right into it. How is your uh, Samsung uh, Chromebook uh, working out for you? Then I mean, just generally, have you have you do you have it? I do. And are you using it like day to day, or do you just is it only going to be for your travel? Well, the the first thing I'm going to try to do is is use it, um, you know, for travel and see get it up as a PHP environment. Um, yeah. And then try to do some stuff on it. And if it works out okay, I may try, like, may keep using it for, like, maybe do some stuff with OpenCFP on it, um, and use yeah. that. And also, like, if I can get the tools I need for work uh, for Mozilla to work correctly on it. Then whenever I have to travel for work related stuff to the um, you know to our all hands meetings and stuff like that, I'll bring the Chromebook instead of instead of my laptop. So, you know, like I said, the big issue is Docker. See, what I found was that someone created a a, a tool. I wish I knew how these things work because it sounds really fascinating. A way that you can like you can create like a a ch root environment so things can run in it. So someone created something where you can run Fedora. In mm-hmm. in a little ch root environment on a Chromebook, so oh, okay. If I can get that to work, then you kind of install a subset of Fedora, and then I know that you can run Docker. There's so I saw a thing where someone was like running Docker on a Chromebook, but they were using um, the the Crosh, which is like a the developer shell that 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 Chrome gives you. Um, right. And then you have to install, you know, you install a different version of Linux. And then you can use this thing called Rocket RKT that lets you run containers kind of the same way that you can with Docker. There was like a blog post about it. So uh, it looked like if I could get a little like almost like Fedora running in a little uh, CH rooted environment, then I could maybe run RKT and then have Docker working Chromebook. But, you know, it's like there's a lot of moving parts and that's the... For me, that's the biggest thing, the biggest obstacle. If I didn't have to use that, then I could use a Chromebook for day-to-day stuff at um, at Mozilla with like no problems. So, because I just have to run Python, which I can run on there. Um, you know, uh, I run a lot of scripts, um, and I don't need a lot of database access to do stuff. So it, it could conceivably work as long as the video conferencing tool works okay. 
um, you know, right. and I can run my, you know, I can read my mail um, via the web. Of course, there is that little, little awkward thing of where I'm not using Firefox, I'm using Chrome, but you know, um, if you work in Mozilla, maybe you should be using Firefox. Just maybe you should be, be using the, using that browser. Maybe you should be using it. Well, maybe you should be running Firefox OS. Yeah, you want to talk about a bunch of bitter people in Mozilla? You should ask them about Firefox OS these days. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot yeah. of people who are upset. But what has happened? A lot of that stuff that was learned about Firefox OS <clears throat> is that some of those people who did stick around um, mm-hmm. are working on uh, open sourcing um, uh, software for an Internet of Things gateway for your home. So to control all that. Oh yes. Control all the lights and, and all that stuff by giving people software and tell them here, you can run this on a raspberry Pi, You can run this on other OSs and you know, already they have it working with some of the popular, you know, like the Philips, um, uh, the Wi-Fi bulbs and, and stuff like that. So at least some of that knowledge is being reused, but yeah, you know, the whole Firefox OS thing seems to have just, we tried it and it was a horrible failure and a bunch of people are mad and, trying something else now yep hey i gotta tell you that firefox 57 that was pretty fast oh have you been using nightly trying it out i i got nightly after i kind of heard about some of that stuff and i did download it and because it's nightly i'm not using it day to day but uh i was very impressed at how fast it was it seemed as fast or faster than chrome uh, and it, it had it, it pages that gave my previous versions of Firefox issues, like say the Giphy homepage. Uh, it was very performant, super fast, really, really good. So I was very impressed. Yeah, we've been, you know, we've been putting a lot of resources and the company is really, really focused on, you know, getting, um, Firefox 57 out with the idea of it being the fastest fastest available browser um you know um so some of the stuff that's going to be in 57 so for people who don't kind of understand maybe we can just segue here since we have very little other stuff to talk about today we can talk a bit yeah, about t- uh, yeah well let's talk a bit about how firefox uh, yeah and ed's ed wake up um <laughs> talking about this uh, so <laughs> There's versions of Firefox, and so we have the stable, you know, we have the release version, there is a beta version, and there is a nightly version. And uh, basically the way things work is as bug fixes and features get added and, you know, new things and we remove stuff all the time, they get put into nightly first. And nightly you can download, and it does, there are new versions available of it every single night. So that's kind of how we test out new features. We put them into nightly. It's a much smaller cohort of users. It allows us to play around with things and try different stuff. And so for people who are interested in seeing uh, what Firefox 57 is going to look like, is roughly once every six weeks, a new uh, release version of Firefox comes out. Now I'm right now, as we speak, I'm running the standard version of uh, the release version and we're at version 54.0.1. And as actually I look at this, it's downloading some update. So, um, it's applying the update. It's going to ask me to restart. I just went to the about and it's telling me this. So we're at version 54. So right now for nightly, 
we have features in it that are 57. So 55 is coming out very, very soon. I think next week. I think it's a release week. So I'm smart enough not to be around for it. So so right now, so 55 is going to be coming out. 56 will be beta and 57 will be nightly. So the big push has been for 57. So some of the things like new look and feel um, for the for the browser Chrome itself. And um, we've put a ton of work into things like, you know, we're finally like isolating um, processes. So each tab runs in its own process. So the idea that, you know, if, if one page is hanging up, it's not going to cause the whole thing to... Uh, a whole browser to lock up. Um, we're we're uh, rewriting parts of the engine itself to use Rust, and it's interesting that Rust may be you know like the second biggest thing that Mozilla has contributed to open source software. With of course Mozilla being the Firefox being the biggest thing, but you know we're slowly removing code and replacing it with Rust. Um, Servo, which is the new rendering engine. Um, New rendering engine, big big parts of it are being written in Rust. Um, we're trying stuff out, but yeah, if you want to kind of look at, <coughs> excuse me, what's coming in newer versions of Firefox, check out Nightly. I've been running Nightly as my everyday browser for like four or five months now, and it's extremely extremely rare that something gets pushed out in Nightly that renders the browser unusable sites that um, I need to use. And it's interesting, you know, I would see people talk about on um, Twitter when people that are following complaining about Firefox and stuff. And it was just like, always like, well, you know, I use this thing every day and I'm not using some kind of weird, you know, employees only build. Um, and I never see any of the same problems that a lot of people are where Firefox crashes for them all the time. And, you know, you try to do the nice thing and say, well, the usual thing that is messing people up are add are add-ons and extensions. That's what usually causes the biggest problems. Add-ons and extensions that aren't written quite right and they leak memory and then they they bring Firefox down with it. So one of the things that is happening with Firefox 57 is no more add-ons. Everything will be web extensions. And not only that, extensions that work in Chrome will also work in Firefox. So we're trying to provide like the ability to like, if you want to try out Firefox and you want to use all the same stuff that's in Chrome that you've added on that you like, most of it should work with no changes um, in Firefox. So that's kind of a big behavior change. And uh, and all the you know all the major um, uh, add-ons that people like to use for Firefox, like uBlock Origin and uh, God, what's the other one? There's another one that's going to come online very very shortly. Just can't remember which one it is. Um, cause I was doing some testing for it and then got told, no, 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 we've been running it and it's all good. So I don't have to do any load testing of it. Um, uh, yeah, have, all these big ones are porting their stuff over to web extensions and so far everything's looking good. So again, if you haven't tried, I know, of course I am a Firefox shill cause I work for Mozilla, but if you have not looked yeah, at, really. if you have not looked at, at Firefox in a while, go download the nightly version and play around with it. And I think you'll be much as Ed was, you'll be very surprised to find out how performant okay. and how much better Firefox likely is from the last time they used it. It's, it, I was, I was very impressed, very impressed. So yeah, I su suggest you take a look-see at it or something. I suggest you take a look-see. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go do that. 
just to add a note to provide a link where you can go get the nightly version of Firefox. You know, like the nightly and beta versions are good ways if you just want to play around with it and not use it as your everyday browser, just to check things out. Um, I know yep. some cool things are that are coming up that I think are going to be released in time for 57. I know um, screenshots is kind of in beta. We have this thing called Test Pilot that you can install into Firefox and try new extensions out and new features before they're going to be included in Firefox itself. There's a screenshots extension, so a screenshot, you'll be able to take screenshots of any web page inside the, the browser, so no more having to use a third party. I do know right now um, they're working on a password manager, like a LastPass or a 1Password type thing, baked right into the browser itself, and then you know all the encrypted, nice. pa- all the encrypted passwords and stuff are all going to be stored um, with Firefox using Kinto, which is a backend that a lot of our projects are moving towards. And you know, a lot of the projects that I do QA work for are using Kinto to back them as well. So trying really hard, trying to add a lot of value to the browser because we understand, you know, it's a hard sell to get people to convert over, especially, especially how convenient it is to use Chrome. Chrome is really fast. Chrome is really performant, but Firefox 57, it's pretty much neck and neck. And, uh, we're, we're working on the message to get people to switch. Well, I am excited because, uh, frankly, I would much rather run Firefox. I would just rather do that. So I'm excited that it's. That it seems like it's you're making such progress with it. So I'm looking at the cool notes. Story. So I'm looking at the notes, a little summary. So we'll have something there about the Black Donnellys. And of course, we'll do Lou Rawls versus Lou Graham because Foreigner with Lou Rawls would be very different. We'll add that blog post about setting up the Chromebook for people. Link to Top Gun. Say Kelly McGillis. Just like my brain is just firing. I think that might be right. Yeah. Uh, We'll have a link so people can go grab a copy of Firefox nightly. Um, You might be right. And I'll probably provide a link to WeCamp 2017. I don't know. By the time people hear this, I may be over there already. But I do have a, like, I encourage people who, like, like the conference experience like, you know, consider branching out into other styles of conference. You know, a code retreat might be a good thing, idea, you know, where people go one place, get focused on a topic, and really kind of isolate yourself with people who are working on the same thing. And they're very, very collaborative as compared to what happens at your normal tech conference, where it's one person at the front doing a lecture, you're nodding along, asking questions that aren't really questions because you're just want to impress other people there with your knowledge. And then out and all get... All the speakers always all get ripped after all the talks are done. This is a very, you know, yeah. code retreat is a very different idea. It's like you're there. Uh, there's, a, I know some people do code retreats around like um, one specific technology. My friend Matt Brandt, who I work with at Mozilla, who got me to go to the Winter Tech Forum uh, in the, the 2016 um, Winter Tech Forum when it was over. He stayed on for an extra week there in um, in the little town where where it was. God, I can't remember the name of the place now. Um, that I went to. Um, cool Crest, store. Crested Butte. Yeah. That's the name of the place. I just took my Crested indexing. Butt. Yep. Yeah, Crested Crusty Butt. My my brain is not indexed correctly because I've been on vacation for too long. Uh, he stayed a week av- afterwards to hang out with um, um, with Bruce uh, who runs um, the Winter Tech Forum. They did a week of like. Uh, guided learning surrounding um, Elm. So that was, he said that was very, very, very interesting to kind of like get a look at how Elm works. With Elm is kind of like Haskell that compiles down to JavaScript. So it's kind of you know 
uh, Mozilla is using Elm in production for some of our admin interfaces, which is kind of cool. It really seemed to energize some mm-hmm. of the people who are doing work on on Kinto, um, the storage engine stuff, creating front ends for people to manipulate stuff. And they got really excited that they got a chance to use Elm. So a chance for developers to kind of stretch themselves and push their knowledge in a different direction. And I always kind of like like those projects where I get to learn something new or, or, or use a new tool and there's actually some tangible thing at the end that wasn't just exploration. It's like, no, we got this thing working and we have a tool that we can share with it. So, uh, you know, if, you, yeah. if, if you've been going to conferences for a long time, like try and open, go to open spaces one, try a code retreat. Even, you know, if you're really feeling masochistic, organize your own conference, try an unconf, try an open space, try a word camp, try a code retreat, get a bunch of people together someplace for a weekend where it's like, let's just shut out all the other distractions and focus on something. Maybe you want to learn something new about PHP, want to learn something new about JavaScript, find some people who are interested in the same type of thing and say, Hey, let's just all meet in one place for one weekend and concentrate on learning one aspect and have something to take away from when it's all done. It's kind of what I'm hoping to do with grumpy conf to focus on PHP and some very different people and a chance to actually like interact instead of just being the lecture with, with question and answers like, no, we can get together and actually create something and share information back and forth. It's kind of ramp up your learning and, and let things go in a very different direction from what you would get at a, at a, at a air quote, regular conference. So, uh, so yeah. So we camp, um, that's where I will be. It's my only event in August. I will be, um, at symphony live Berlin, um, last week of October, um, Ed, what's your next conference appearance? I'm going to be at All Things Open. Oh, nice. Excuse me. Um, all Things Open. And then um, I'll be keynoting Tech Camp Memphis in Memphis, Tennessee uh, soon after that. So that's late uh, October stuff. And then uh, November 10th, I will be at the Elixir with Love conference. Uh, oh, is that, our, is, that our, is that our friend PJ who's... Um running that one i don't think i don't know if pj is running it but he is probably involved somehow i would think um a friend of the show of uh, uh, pj haggerty haggerty is that his last name haggerty haggerty yeah pj harvey pj it's, it's not pj harvey uh, no, uh, it's not. friend of the show uh, from yeah. buffalo who helped get the prompt stuff going back in the day um, when he was still with engine yep. yard so I have not seen PJ yeah. in a super long time, and I regret that I didn't get to see him before I moved because where I lived before, I was like 90 minutes away to go down and see him, and I could never figure out a weekend where I could go see him where I didn't have something else to do. And now that I'm a bazillion miles away, um, it, it, it will not, oh, really? be, not be nearly as easy to go see him. I want to go. I have to go down and see my old friends from Cinecor, go down there on a Saturday and go stuff myself stupid with sushi at the uh, sushi place down there that does omakase sushi where you pay like... 45 or 50 bucks and the chef sushi chefs make whatever they want and just bring it out to you and you uh, get a really interesting sushi experience. Interesting. So yeah. Uh, so PJ did the elixir days conference. Oh, that's the one. Okay. Sure. So I went to that too, but then I, this elixir with love is a, uh, different conference. It is in Providence, Rhode Island, which is a state and city I've never been to. I have not been to that part of America either. I went to Boston once and flew there and then got in a taxi and went up to someplace near the New Hampshire border back when I worked with Mr. Ben Ramsey at uh, Moon Toast. 
Oh, fun times. Yeah, yeah, fun times, that's for sure. Elixir with love, and you're going to be at all things open. Uh, that's in North Carolina, I'm trying to remember, yes? Like the one it is, and yes. it's in Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. And and then I'll be at uh, at, at the at Tech Camp Memphis. You bet. Excellente. You're the man, dog. So I think we've reached the end of another super exciting episode of the development. Um, if my yawns are telling us anything, yes, it's that we're at the end of another episode. Well, I mean, we've basically run out of things to talk about for this week. So I'm sure I'll have yeah. a whole bunch of, when I come back, I'll be itching to talk about my experience of the code. So um, as always, thanks so much for listening. Ed, uh, I want to thank all our, our Patreons. Please visit our Patreon mm-hmm. page at patreon.com slash devhell. You can subscribe for as little as $1 per episode. Um, a couple of different levels. Some of them uh, entitle you to get emails read on the air. Some entitle you to actually write some copy that Ed um, reads. We've had Chance Garcia provide us with some information about uh, about multiple sclerosis. I think it's multiple sclerosis. Um, that's near and yep. dear, near a cause that he uh, cares deeply about. Ben Ramsey has thrown, uh, asked Ed to do Lorem Ipsum and uh, and the famous poem about Ozymandias. Maybe you have, maybe you like our show and you want to throw us 15 bucks an episode and get Ed to read something ridiculous. Um, you can also find all the all my side stuff I do. My books um, are available at uh, Grumpy Learning, Grumpy Dash Learning. Both of them should work. dot com. Um, if mm-hmm. you like, if you like what I do, please check out my books. The latest one is Building Test Driven Developers. It's a guide for teaching people how to deal with the people side of testing, which is just important as the technical side. It's incredibly hard to get your uh, to if you're working um, at a company. You're the only one that cares about testing. So I provide a bunch of strategies to kind of help people get over that hump and get more people interested in testing and what to do in different scenarios. What do you do when there's no test? What do you do if there's not enough tests? How do you motivate, how do you get difficult people um, in line to, uh, um, you know, so that you can meet your goals of wanting everything tested. As always, please uh, consider contributing to Ed's uh, nonprofit, Open Sourcing Mental Illness, where Ed is doing a lot of work uh, raising awareness of mental health issues um, in the tech industry. I guarantee you that if you work in the tech industry, you know someone who is currently dealing with a mental health issue. And uh, there's a lot of stigma around it. And Ed has done a ton of work raising awareness, showing people that you don't have to suffer alone. You don't have to suffer in silence. There are resources out there and there are people who are super interested in helping you overcome your obstacles. Uh, as always, you can find every single episode of this podcast that we've done at devhell.info. You can also listen to us via iTunes. Um, you can find uh, us on um, on Twitter. I'm not there right now. I'll be back on the 28th of uh, August uh, tweeting again, and I'll see if anybody cares that I'm still around. Uh, so you can find me at Grumpy Programmer without the... You can find Ed as Funkatron with you. You can find the show at at dev underscore hell uh, it is dev underscore hell is it not ed because i haven't been on twitter that much lately it is dev yes it is and it is still yes, and it is still on my phone so i can actually still post i don't have to re-enter passwords oh, good. so i don't have to ask ed again bro what's the password so um so thanks for your support over the years 93 times ed and i've gotten together to talk i still enjoy it and i hope we can do another 93 so that's it for now good night internet good night internet